Hey guys, so um, lately I've been having a hard time getting dedicated guests to be on my podcast. Um, I guess in today's busy world, it's just hard for people to set out plans and, and make things happen. I don't know what it is, but uh, I've decided to start doing it differently. I, I'll still accept guests. I would love to have guests and have conversations with people, but more often than not, I'm probably just going to be doing solo podcasts um, with submitted questions from friends and family. And so recently I uh, put it out there on social media that I would like to take some questions from friends and um, record a podcast answering those questions. Uh, you know, doesn't matter what questions. Uh, I prefer the deeper, more philosophical questions. And I, I got some good ones this time around. And so that's going to be what this whole podcast is about. Um, so the first question, I we're just going to jump into this. Uh, I got some good questions. So uh, the first question was, how do you feel about legalizing all drugs, beneficial or not? And um, I have, I actually have a pretty strong opinion on this. And um, I think it would be beneficial to legalize all drugs across the board um i think that just because a drug is legal it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be doing drugs all the time doing that drug you know it's like you know back when amsterdam was one of the only countries with legalized marijuana you realize that marijuana had been legalized but not everybody's smoking marijuana. You know, some people really enjoy being sober. Uh, it's just because drugs are available doesn't mean that everybody's going to be taking them. Doesn't mean that everybody's going to be messed up all the time. Um, so I think that's the case with all drugs. And if we legalize all drugs, doesn't mean that everybody's going to be walking around on heroin or nodding off in the streets on heroin. Um, I think that when it comes to breaking laws, when it comes to the laws that we already have set in place against doing dumb shit, those laws already exist. We already have punishment for people who do dumb shit. So um, why have a punishment for drugs? That seems to be one of the things that... Uh, most people are concerned with is that, oh, people are going to do drugs and they're going to do dumb shit. Well, there's already laws against doing dumb shit. Um, so I think that it's important that we all have sovereignty over our own bodies. You know, that this is my body. I can do whatever the hell I want to my body. I should be free to do whatever I want to my body if I want to destroy my body if I want to eat tons of processed food and um, get overweight and get clog my arteries. I should be free to do that. It shouldn't be illegal to do that. Um, if I want to kill myself, I should, you know, that's my decision. I should have sovereignty over my body. So if I decide to do drugs, any kind of drug, and, you know, whether it 
it's good for my body or whether it harms my body, I should be free to do that because I'm my own human being. Nobody should tell anybody what they can and can't do to their own self. Um, with that being said, I think that if all drugs were legalized, it would be important to, um, you know, make it to where if you're going to do drugs, do it in the comfort of your own home. You know, in your own home, do whatever the hell you want to do to yourself. It's your body, your home. If you want to snort enough cocaine that you overdose and die in your own home, if that's the way you want to go, if that's what you want to do with your life, you should be free to do that with your own life. And, you know, shouldn't be illegal to do that. Um, you know, either do these drugs in your own home or safe places which are becoming more popular in certain states and uh you know with that being said um my friend who who asked the question about legalizing all drugs um she also asked what about designated injection safe havens for drug users so these are places that um you know say heroin addicts uh, can go to safe places uh, for them to use heroin. You know, these stations are set up, you know, with uh, clean needles or, or methods to clean your needles before you use them. Um, they have uh, containers that you can dispose of your needles in. And it's, uh, it's just giving drug users or heroin users a safe place to do their drug uh, keep them off the streets, keep needles off of the streets, you know. In the past, we've seen where heroin addicts will, you know, they'll shoot up in the park, leave their needle there. A kid will come by and prick himself on the needle, might end up with HIV. So it's, it's really dangerous uh, to have heroin addicts out on the streets doing these things and um, I think it's important I think the safe havens are good I think um, I think it's a good idea I would much rather those needles be placed in into a you know a box where nobody can reach mm -hmm. in and prick themselves um, and I think also these safe havens I think I'm not 100% sure but I think it would be a good idea if they were set up in a way that these drug users come in, they have a place to safely do their drug, but also I think it would be a good idea to have help, you know, someone there, not to help them shoot up, but, you know, people there, almost in a clinical sense, um, that if these people are obviously going through some hard times, they're at a hard place in their life, they, uh, they might have... I mean, if you're using heroin, it's safe to say that you have a mental issue, a mental health problem. And so I think it would be a, a good idea to have someone there who maybe they could just talk to. You know, if they want, if they go to this place and they want to do their drug, but there's someone there who will actually listen to them. There might be, you know, pamphlets there to uh, that they could pick up and go find some help you know, addiction hotlines or anything like that because at the core of this problem is the fact that there is a major mental health issue 
in this country right now. Um, and I think we need to pay more attention to that, especially with drug users. The, f the truth is that these people are lost. They're, they're trying to fill something in their, their heart and their spirit, and um, they result to filling that hole with drugs. Um, this is something that I've seen destroy many people around me. Um, it's been in my family. Um, I, I've experienced this firsthand. Um, not with, not that I had ever been addicted to hard drugs. I did have a a small bout with alcohol, um, which I have kicked recently. You know, I might have a drink maybe once every other week, maybe twice every other week, but very small. I, I can't stand getting drunk anymore. Um, it's not worth it to me. Um, I found joy in another way, um, and I found my spirit, I found my spiritual center. So I don't really need anything like that. I want to be as strong and as clear as possible at all times. I love it. I love being clear, clear-headed. But I had my demons that I fought, and um, these these drug users do too. So many people out here battling demons and battling themselves in their own minds, and they never have anybody to talk to about it don't know how to express it, or don't have anybody who can relate. So I think that would be an important part of these safe havens. Um, same friend of mine asked another question. She gave me three good questions, and so I'm putting them on here. Um, I think they were great questions, and it's great for this episode. So she also asked, the effect of hallucinogens on mental health and your personal experiences with the two in hand in hand, better state of mind or not. So, uh, this is a great one. This is a good topic. Um, the effect of hallucinogens on mental health and your personal experiences with the two hand in hand. Um, so, my personal experience with uh, mental health started when I was 11 or 12, somewhere around there. Um, I had been diagnosed manic depressant, or what they diagnose as bipolar today, I believe. Um, so I started this battle early on, and it was always fairly obvious. It, some, some psychiatrists would say it's not wise to diagnose a kid at such a young age, but it was pretty obvious that I had I was going through some some mental health issues, um, and and to this day I battle with depression. Um, I have way more control over it today than I ever did before, and um, it was honestly never through medication that I found how to handle my depression or my anxiety um it was through uh lifestyle changes and um a lot of um understanding and clarity about those lifestyle changes came to me through the use of psychedelics um psychedelics have a way of opening your mind and presenting you you know the deepest darkest things about yourself 
they bring those things up, make you aware of them, and make you confront them. And that's very important. Some people find it very hard, and I'm not going to lie, it is very hard. Um, I've, I've had some very hard experiences on psychedelics. You know, you hear people talk about bad trips. I don't necessarily believe in bad trips. I think every trip, you know, whether it's an easy, nice, smooth sailing trip, everything's beautiful, everything's great, or a hard experience where, I mean, you might feel like you're breaking down, you are going mentally insane, um, and it is just hard to get through. Um, you might look at yourself in a light that you've never looked at yourself at before, um, see things about yourself that you just can't stand, but it's good to confront those things, those things about yourself that you hate. It's good to look at those things and observe them, understand them, and confront it and get through it. I think that's the only way we can heal our depression and our anxiety um, is to confront them, to confront the feeling we get and to understand it. And to also just accept it and just know that it's okay. Um, and so a lot of my mental clarity came through psychedelic experiences. Um, and it's almost like being in a clinical setting. In a clinical setting, and I've, I've never been to a therapist. I've never seen a therapist for my depression or my anxiety. But me being somebody who, um, what's it called, autodidact, somebody who studies and learns for themselves, you know, a self-taught person. I do my own research, I always have, and I'm all, I've always been fascinated by learning, and a lot of my learning was from my fascination with the problems that I face. Um, like, when it comes to studying mental health, I got into studying mental health because of my own mental health issues. Um, so in a clinical setting, psychiatrist will have you confront the things that bother you, um, or the things that give you anxiety, or the things that make you upset. You will talk through them over and over and over again. You know, a lot of people suppress these things, and uh, it comes up later on, and more powerful in a worse way through severe anxiety attacks which I have had many experiences with but you go through these things over and over again and you kind of just condition yourself to um, knowing that those things are dead and gone they're past they lie in your subconscious but they're over with you're not going through these things anymore you just condition yourself and train yourself to know to just breathe and know that it's over with, that it's okay. You're okay right now. Um, it's okay not to feel like you're in the best place. It's okay. So overall, everything is okay. Um, another thing in a clinical setting, you know, for people with severe anxiety, like I have experienced, um, severe anxiety, panic attacks, when you feel like you're on the verge of death, like you could die any second. That's what you feel like, even though it's irrational and you're most likely not going to die. There's nothing really wrong with you. 
but you're having a panic attack. You feel lightheaded. You feel like you're going to black out. Um, some therapists will have you do breathing exercises that make you feel like you're hyperventilating and you're about to pass out. Um, just to train yourself to be in that state of being winded, feeling like you're going to black out, but just relaxing and knowing that the feeling goes away, that everything is going to be all right. Um, so with all that being said, I think psychedelics in the same way are therapeutic. They, they bring up these things about ourselves. We confront these things about ourselves so that we can overcome. Um, let's see, what else? Um, better state of mind or not? Better state of mind, 100%. Absolutely. Um, and now, I do want to say with the um, use of psychedelics, for me, they have definitely 100% produced a better state of mind. Better mental health, mental clarity, better physical health. Because with the things that I've confronted about myself... I knew that I wasn't in the best physical shape, and that's something that's very important in this life. We only get one body. We have one shot at this, and it's important to take care of your body. Um, and having a healthy body leads to having a healthy mind. They work hand in hand. A lot of the uh, serotonin, I think it's something like 90%, or most of the serotonin in our brain is produced in our gut. So having better physical health by eating better, by eating clean, you know, our gut is able to produce more serotonin. More serotonin means that uh, more serotonin in the brain is going to make us have a happier mood, more elevated. Um, but there is the case that psychedelics can trigger worse mental issues. Say, for instance, uh, people who deal with psychosis or are schizophrenic, I think that it's very, they should tread lightly in the psychedelic universe, uh, stepping into that. Um, I've been able to do my own psychedelic uh, spiritual journeying, uh, but for people who deal with, you know, psychosis, I think it's very important if they are going to go into that for the therapeutic um, essence of psychedelic usage, they should do it in a clinical setting. Um, I, 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 I think that it's important for people to do psychedelics in a shamanic setting. Um, this is for people without psychosis. Uh, people who are looking for healing, I think that's the only reason why we should be doing psychedelics. I don't like the recreational use of it. I think if we're going to do psychedelics, it should be in a shamanic setting. It should be about discovery, about self-awareness and um, discovering ourselves. And I think it should be done in a shamanic setting with a shaman. Um, but for the cases with people with psychosis or deeper mental issues as such, they should be done in clinical settings, if at all. Um, I think it would be more beneficial to clinically administer psychedelics 
for people with psychosis, you know, in light doses, instead of doing, you know, whatever the drugs are that they're giving them in the hospitals that aren't really working. Um, I think that for people with uh, those psychosis or schizo, um, they should tread lightly and be done in a clinical setting. And I think that uh, we should be doing more to get these things, these clinical settings, psychedelic uh, assisted therapy sessions should be more prominent. Um, so we're going to move on to another question, uh, from a friend. Um, he asked me, uh, what do I think about shamanic journeying? Uh, so all these things are kind of tying in together. I took all these questions and kind of lined them up in a way to where they're all going to tie into each other and I can go on a, a good tangent. So, um, he asked about shamanic journeying, said that he's had a lot of experience with it, that's awesome, but he wants to know my perspective. Um, I think it's great. As I said before, I think that should be the only way, one of the only ways that we're doing psychedelics. And it does. I don't think that shamanic journeying necessarily means that you have to do psychedelics. A uh, shaman could lead you in a practice of... Uh, meditation, um, ecstatic dance, um, there's a lot of different ways to achieve altered states of consciousness where we learn a lot about ourselves, where we can dive deep and look within, um, it just, it doesn't just involve psychedelics, but I think that shamanic journeying should be a more prominent thing that is going on in our society. I've been saying it for years that I think every adult should have at least one profound psychedelic experience every year. And not when I say psychedelic experience, I don't think psychedelic experiences are produced only by substances. Um, you can do it through kundalini, you can do it through ecstatic dance, um, but I think it's important to have altered states, you know, things that draw you within and help you to look within yourself and discover those things that aren't quite right about yourself, the things that we need to work on. So I think if every adult had one psychedelic experience every year, profound experience, that it would lead to a better society, it would lead to a better world, people would be more compassionate more loving and caring, more aware of their issues and the issues of the people around them, the issues that we face as a society. And we would be more compassionate and willing to reach out and help. Um, anybody who has had a profound psychedelic experience can tell you that this is a feeling that they get in those moments. Is uh, There needs to be more love and compassion in our society today. Um, I'm going to move on. Uh, another friend of mine, he said, one of the things I really like to hear what people have to say about is how do you think the world started and how did all of the animals on this planet start? So um, this friend of mine, he's a, a young man. Um, I'm friends with him on uh, Twitch and a Twitch community that we are a part of and 
he's he's a very mature young man. I think I believe he's 14 years old, but uh this is a great question from him. So he wants to know what I think about uh how the world started and how animals on the planet came to be. He said, I know there's a scientific explanation and I know there's a lot of theories, but he would like to know what I believe. Um, so, how do I think the world started? Um, so, this is a very deep... I mean, I could. how far back do you want me to go? I mean, if we go all the way back to the very beginning, whether you believe the Big Bang or not, maybe that is what happened but i believe that there is one consciousness and the you know there's a universal mind i think that consciousness is one and we're all attached to it every living thing is attached to it um every molecule down to the smallest tiniest atom to the protons the electrons everything is a part is a product of the universal consciousness the universal mind um, so when the whole, when all of it started, I don't know what it was that caused this outburst of creation, um, or maybe create, everything has always been, how do we know there was a, a, a huge explosion, big bang, I don't know the, the science going that far back, um, I know we noticed that everything is expanding, so that means that there had to have been some kind of uh, force that caused the traje trajectory of everything in motion in the universe. I don't know what it was, but I believe that consciousness, I think that all of matter has consciousness, so that you look at the atoms, the electrons, the protons, these things are acting. They're they're performing tasks, and I don't think it's unconscious tasks. I think that creation, I think there's a flow of creation, and that's all consciousness is, the flow of creation. And um, these atoms, these electrons, protons, neutrons, they're all acting in a way to create. And so... As those things join together in different ways, they're constantly creating and forming, um, dying, rebirthing. Um, so over the billions of years, we, you know, the death of stars, you know, there's the saying that we are all made of stardust. You know, every single particle inside of our bodies, every cell, every atom was produced somewhere from a dying star so um even the planet even everything that surrounds us the uh everything that creates the trees everything that creates the dirt the carbon um all of the important elements that have produced life here on earth all of those things came together over billions of years they attached themselves to each other Gravity brings them together as they get bigger and bigger. Every, you know, all of the dust created from these explosions in the universe, they start to join together. Uh, gravity brings, you know, large objects bring smaller objects to them, and they just get bigger and bigger. And this happened over billions of years um, to create our Earth, to create our planet. Um, and then... 
once our planet reached a certain part of our solar system, it, you know, it got to that Goldilocks zone, what um, astrophysicists call the Goldilocks zone of our solar system, which is not too far from the sun, not too close to the sun. If we are too close, it'd be too hot for everything, for life to exist um, as we know it. And um, if it was too far, it'd be too cold for life to exist as we know it. But it's in the right spot, the Goldilocks zone. In this zone, we've been able to have uh, water at the temperature, that, at the right temperature to where it's not frozen across the planet, when it's not boiling across the planet. But it's at the right temperature, just right, so that the H2O and the sunlight was able to form uh uh what's it called why am i not thinking of this word um single-celled organisms organisms came to be in the oceans that's how life on this planet started was through single-cell organisms tiny little things that you could see in a microscope those things uh through the creative energy of the universe through the conscious mind, the universal mind, started to replicate and started to attach themselves with, uh, they became uh, dual cell organisms, two-celled organisms, until they evolved into creatures that would swim, until they, till they developed eyes, all adapting over millions of years, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. adapting to their environments making themselves new and uh this whole time conscious it's just conscious creation um i don't think i don't like the idea that there's a man in the sky who judges all of his creation and he he's like a magician you know people have this idea you know you know we're talking about god here People have this idea that God is a man in the sky who, a magic man, a magician who points his finger and something is created and like, like a magician. Um, I hope that I'm sitting in a, my van on break at work and uh, it's raining. I hope that the rain hitting the van isn't too loud, but I don't like that idea of God. I think that um, God is all of creation. I think God is the energy of creation. He is the flow of creation. And I said he, which is ridiculous. I mean, I I grew up in the in the mind frame that God was a man in the sky as well. But and so language has kind of stuck us with this fact that God has a gender when. God simply does not have a gender. God is not a being. God is all things. He is one. I said he again. It is one. God is one. We are God. We are a part of God. Every single molecule, every single atom of us is a part of the creative flow, which is the creator, uh, the source, as many like to call and many indigenous people called the source um so i believe that that is how things came to be through an everlasting 
an eternal flow of creation, a conscious creation. And I, I also love this subject when people talk about, well, what is consciousness? I think consciousness is the seed of the soul. I think that that is what we call the soul, is our consciousness. That is what we receive when we are born, and when we die, when our body dies, our consciousness leaves our body, and that's why we're no longer conscious. Our bodies are no longer conscious when we are so-called dead, when our bodies die. Um, so what is consciousness? People wonder. I think that consciousness exists everywhere and everything. It is a part of one whole. And people say, well, there's, you know, there's me and you. There's seven billion people on this planet, all thinking differently, all experiencing uh, our own lives and experiencing reality in our own ways. And yes, that's true, but I don't think that's seven billion separate consciousness. I think that our brains don't produce consciousness. I think that our brains are receptors of consciousness, like a, like a TV signal. I think consciousness is like a TV signal, just because, and you know, and the TV is the receptor, and just because your TV stops working, just say your TV's dead, just say your TV's broken and it, uh, you can't get a signal on it anymore. That doesn't mean that the signal still isn't there. The signal is still there, waiting to be received by another receptor, by another TV. So just like a TV signal, I think consciousness is still out there. So that when our body dies, when our body is broken, when it no longer receives consciousness, the signal is still out there. Consciousness is still out there. It doesn't die. And it doesn't die with when our brain stops working. The signal just returns to the source and is waited to be received by something else. Um, that is my philosophy. I hope that makes sense to you guys, and I hope that brings some kind of clarity and understanding, uh, or maybe just gives you a different way of looking at things. I think it's important to look at things differently in different ways um, to challenge our own narrative, uh, look at things in a different light, and make our own opinion. You don't have to believe it the way I believe it, but uh, just form your own opinion. So um, let's see what else we got here. Um, another buddy of mine, he asked, what are your thoughts on spiritual warfare and demonology? Uh, man, these things just get deeper and deeper. Um, spiritual warfare. I assume maybe this is about good and evil. You know, spiritual warfare can be classified as so many things. I don't, I'm not sure if this is a, a question based on any certain ideology um, or theology. I don't know if this is a, a Christian question, you know, the, the battle between good spirits and evil spirits. But um, let's just look at spiritual warfare, or maybe this is a spiritual warfare as in like what what I consider spirituality and then the death of spirituality I think uh, spirituality is important and you see a lot of uh, in today's society you see a lot of secular uh, ideas becoming more prominent um, 
and how do we combat how do we combat that you know the fact that people are just giving up on spirituality um but if this is a question of good and evil i um i don't know man uh i'm i don't know if good and evil really even exists i uh i study a lot of hindu philosophy and i think uh for the most part that is where most of my spirituality lies is within uh hindu beliefs and hindu philosophy um one in particular is uh, Advaita Vedanta. Advaita Vedanta basically means non-dual, translated non-dual, not to. Um, so Advaita Vedanta is the belief in oneness, that everything is one, um, that there is no dual aspect to our reality, that dualism mm -hmm. is only an illusion. You know, we have good and bad. We have uh, chaos and order. We have birth and death. Um, Advaita Vedanta is the belief that all of these are one and the same. They're all part of one. Um, that these uh, separations are illusions. Um, and with that being said, trying to explain this very deep philosophy and understanding... Um, you look at good and bad. Um, what is good and bad? How do we um, how do we describe that? We have these moral beliefs, but are these just beliefs that man has created um, to separate things? And uh, by man who don't quite understand um, what life is or what existence is. Um, so. You look at good and bad, how how do we know what is good and bad? If you look at life and death, you would say life is good, life is great, yeah. Life is in that category of good. Um, death is in the bad category. We see so many instances where when people die, when there's a death in the family, everybody gets so upset, like this is something horrible, this is bad, you know my brother died, my mother died, you know, somebody died, somebody really close to me died, and I'm hurting, um, I can understand the pain, I get it, and I understand the way that society has created these moral values and these moral codes for us to abide by, I, I get it, I was raised in this society too, I have a brother who was murdered, who was, had his life taken away from him, or at least his physical life was taken away from him. And it's hard for me to sit here and say that that was evil. Or that that's bad. Um, I don't think that murder... I don't think anybody should murder anybody. Um, but does that mean that there's right and wrong? I don't know. I personally wouldn't want... I wouldn't murder anybody wouldn't kill anybody unless I really had to and um, so what I'm getting at we look at life and death we look at birth we look at death um, and we can look at the planets or a star the birth of a star 
the death of a star. Is the death of a star as sad as the death of our brother? You know, when a star dies, do we mourn the way that we do when a person dies? You know, is the death of a star any less important than the death of a, a, a body, a physical body, a human body? Because in the death of a star, there's life given to so many other things. We are the products of dead stars. The things that our planet is created up of, um, the things that our body is made of, are the products of stars dying. So is it bad that a star died? If it's what created us? This is where oneness comes into play. That everything happens to in in a order in a in a you know with chaos and order there's i think that there's only order um and we have this illusion of chaos um because like you see things happening crashing into each other explosions we we call that chaos but all that is is creation the death of a star that projects all these different elements into the universe that go out and create more life. Life will always be. Creation will always be. Consciousness will always be. There is one. And so, if you're talking about spiritual warfare, when it comes to good and evil, just don't know about that. If you're talking about demons, if you're talking about... Um, you know, good spirits and bad spirits. Uh, I think those might be things that we create for ourselves. I think those might be ideas, um, products of our own thoughts and our own ideas, our ideologies. They might not exist and they might, um, I think when it comes to like possession, when people talk about possession, demon possession, I'm, I don't really, at the moment, I'm going to say that I don't think it's, uh, that means that an evil spirit is uh, attached itself to somebody. I think that the mind is so powerful that our mind, we can make ourselves believe that we are being possessed. Or that we are, you know, when our bodies start contorting in ways that, like we're having seizures and our body locks up. Or, you know, all of these things, these attributes that are attached to possession... I think it's very possible that the mind, we can make ourselves believe these things and make them happen to ourselves. Um, and that comes down to uh, what people consider the Holy Spirit also. Uh, the belief in the Holy Spirit or the belief in good spirits coming into our bodies when people start talking in tongues. Um, it's a phenomenon that I believe in. But do I believe they're actually saying something spiritual, that it's a real language? I think that maybe it's a lost language. Maybe it's something very ancient that has been passed on through hereditary, through DNA, the knowledge that is passed on through DNA. But it lies in our subconscious. <clears throat> it lies in us somehow. That when people talk in tongues or fall out and they're put, you know, possessed by the Holy Spirit... Um, I also believe that these are states of states of the mind 
that our mind can convince us and our mind can do powerful things to make us believe in certain things, especially when there's a large group of people who are starting to experience the, the Holy Spirit and they're all talking in tongues. We become very influenced by the people around us and the power that does create a certain energy around us and influences us to start speaking in tongues. I don't know if these are good and bad spirits. I don't believe they are because I believe in oneness. And um, and I think that the mind is powerful, capable of producing many ideas and also making our body do different things, things that are unfathomable. I think that our minds are capable of way more than we understand. Um, we can do so much more with our minds. I think that the ancients, with ancient knowledge, I think that they knew more about what the mind is really capable of. And I think they produced many amazing things by using the mind alone um so uh that's kind of where i stand there if uh you mean spiritual warfare as in um my spirituality compared to somebody's uh secularism and uh just belief in nothing um how do we combat that i think that It'd be very important for all of us to understand what spirituality really is and uh, to understand our, our core, be at peace in our, in our core, in our mind, in our heart as a whole. And that might just be what spirituality is. Spirituality doesn't mean that you have to believe in deities. I think that uh, there's a lot of stigma attached to spiritual, spiritualism. Um, Spiritualism, being spiritual could just be a way of life. Um, you don't have to believe in any deities. But how do we get people to be more spiritual, to be more loving and compassionate instead of so secular and uh, not really giving a fuck? Um, either way, I don't think it's good or bad that people don't give a fuck about spirituality, that they're just living their lives to live and die. Um, that's okay. That's a part of all of it, you know. That's that's a part of our existence. I don't I don't look at it in a dual way. I don't separate me from them. Um, I think that it's just important to live our lives the way we want to live our lives, uh, doing the best we can, because this is a confusing reality that we're living in, just to make the most of it and. Uh, be influential just through our actions and uh hopefully that will catch on with any anybody else who isn't living in uh, a very compassionate loving manner um that's that's where i stand um uh spiritual warfare uh whether they get it or not life is gonna go on uh things are gonna die things are gonna be reborn uh and always there's going to be that one constant the the oneness of everything that this is all one experience and we're all going to reemerge with it in some way or another um another question this is kind of switching topics well this is definitely a, a change of topic um so we've covered uh substances like uh hallucinogens we've covered uh 
drug use, we've covered mental health, we've covered uh, creation, we've covered spirituality. Um, This question here is uh, a friend asked. This is a topic that a lot of people are tired of hearing of, um, but I think it's something that uh, needs to be discussed and needs to be spoken about openly, what we feel and what we believe about these things, and, uh, and learn from them. So this friend asked, why would anyone who values honesty, character, and integrity support Donald Trump? Heavy topic, right? Um, honestly, s- simply put, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why anyone who values honesty, character, and integrity support Donald Trump. I don't know why anybody would who values those things. Um, why we're in the situation that we are with Donald Trump as a president is um, just a product of where we've come in society. It's just straight up a product of the way we've been living as a society and the confusion, the state of confusion that we're in as a society. Um, The proof that there is a lot of hatred out there, the proof that there's a lot of bigotry out there, the truth that there is a lot of people stuck in the past, stuck living in old ways ways that should have died off long ago um, but we're still kind of stuck in this mindset and it's it might just be for a short time because honestly this nation the United States of America hasn't been around that long it's really been a very short time uh, when you compare it to how long civilization has actually been here on this planet but we're still living in this old way we've just gotten to uh, We've ended segregation, you know, even though I wasn't alive when segregation ended. I mean, I was, I'm 29. That wasn't that long ago. I wasn't alive when segregation ended, but it was just before I was born. It really wasn't that long ago. And so there's a generational belief that has been passed down and has been kind of just hanging on by a thread. And I think it still exists. And uh, it's been brought out into the light more than ever now uh, in the time that we're living and what we're going through when we look at Donald Trump. And I think that we live in an age where things are rapidly changing and expanding and new ideas are being thrown out there at a rate that our civilization has never known through the Internet um, with the information technology that we have. It's so easy to spread ideas and to get new ideas out there. And we don't quite know how to handle this. We've gone 100,000 years without being able to spread information this way. You know, even, you know, 2,000 years ago, you couldn't, how you spread information was so slow. You know, you had to send a messenger or something on a chariot to travel hundreds of miles and it took forever to to expand knowledge or information now we can do it in one second I can send a message to somebody 
on the other side, complete other side of the world in one second. I can spread an idea. This is, um, this is insane. This is crazy. And I don't think we're quite prepared to handle this information technology. I think that technology has surpassed our evolution. It's evolved past what we can grasp. And so with that being said, um, with all of these ideas and new ways of thinking and trying to get people to be more compassionate and understanding of of true values um, of morality it's a uh, it's exploding that's why there's this outrage culture there's such an explosion of uh, ideas and beliefs um, I think that Donald Trump could be more pa compassionate I think Donald Trump could use a very profound psychedelic experience led by a shaman um, I think that is very needed. That's why I think that um, every adult should have one of these experiences, a profound psychedelic experience. It produces more compassion and more we can look at our, our, our faults and um, get to know ourselves better and how to overcome our faults. And if Donald Trump grew up that way in his younger years, he had profound psychedelic experiences, he would not be the man he is today, the egotistical maniac that he is today. Um, he held, he has such a disrespect for people with no sense of um, emotion or that he had done anything wrong. He's what you would call a sociopath. Um, the way he talks about women and all of the things he'd done. Um, I don't know why anybody who values honesty, character, integrity would support Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump has an amazing support behind him because people are confused, people are lost, and they don't understand what the true essence of life is. And uh, a lot of people holding on to old ways, and they don't want, they're scared of the future, they're scared of new ideas, or things changing, they're scared of change when it's very important that every single one of us accept change. We have to understand that change is going to happen. It's constant. It's the one constant in all of the universe. Things are always changing. We're not going to be our physical bodies. This planet isn't going to be here forever because things are constantly changing. We have to learn to accept change and accept, you know, and to flow with change. Um, and that's something that a lot of Trump supporters are having a hard time doing. They're scared of losing what America used to be when America just isn't ever going to be what it used to be. This isn't 1776 anymore. It's what we need to realize. This is the 21st century. We have new problems with a new generation. We have a, a completely different world. And there's just no way that we can govern our planet our, our our society here with ideas from 1776 it's just not the same world anymore and so I, I feel like people are having a hard time letting go of that and understanding that and Trump is a result of the confusion and uh, people's inability to accept change um, I I, I just believe that's why we're in the place that we're in right now. Um, 
another friend of mine asked, <clears throat> this is going to be the last question, said, if you could teach, I saved this for the last because this is such an important question. She asked, if you could teach all of humanity one thing, in your opinion, what idea or concept would you have the most would have the most positive effect on the world. So what would I teach the world? If I could teach the world one thing, I would teach the world, I would hope that they could understand that we are one, that we're all on this planet together. We're all here experiencing this life together. And um, we should stop dividing ourselves because we're in this struggle together we're all confused we're all trying to figure this thing out we should stop separating ourselves by borders by race by religion um by status by social status uh we need to understand that we're in this experience together and the only way we're going to overcome the issues that we face in today's society is if we join together and understand that we're in this together. I don't think that we have to worry about man destroying man. We have to get over that belief or that worry. I think that it's very possible that the natural world is what we have to worry about. I'm sure of it. If anything is going to take out humankind, it's going to be the natural world through a natural disaster, cataclysm, um, you know, asteroids we have to worry about asteroids we have to worry about the cosmic environment i think we have to stop bickering about the stupid shit that separates us here on this planet right now come together and work on the issues of how are we going to survive what is the next step how are we going to continue as a civilization because there are very big threats that are going to destroy us if we don't figure something out now. If we don't come together and figure it out now. So if there's one thing that I could teach the whole world, if I could have them understand, I would want them to understand that we are one and that we're in this together. And we have to do what we can do to overcome the bigger issues that we're facing with when it comes to our mortality or our existence as a, as a complete civilization. And with all that being said, this is the end of the podcast. I thank you all for the questions and I thank you all for listening and I'm excited to do this again. I can't wait to get some more amazing questions from you guys. Um, Thank you. Please subscribe to uh, my channel on any of the platforms that you're listening on. I thank you so much. If you would like, leave a comment, open a discussion, and let's talk about some of these things. Let's further the discussion. Let's And let's do it compassionately, with open minds, to understand, uh, not to win an argument, but to understand each other and hopefully learn something new. Um, Thank you guys for coming by. This is Detox America. Y'all have a lovely day. Later.